Wow, talk about tag team. We've got two of the best tag teamers, and it takes both of us to tag team with our special guest today, Brian Wedrick. And I'm going to rattle off a couple of things here, but before I do, I want to introduce my co-host. Uh, we're doing this as a joint venture today, the Great American Senior Show and the Crown Car Care Report podcast. Todd Harris, welcome aboard. Hi, welcome. And it will take both of us, Sam, to interview this larger-than-life figure, Brian. Well, Brian goes back a long ways in the automotive industry. That's what we're going to try to focus on a little bit here. And if I were to say the word PD, it's probably going to bring a smile to your face, the little uh, emblem that uh, was made to uh, represent what used to hold automotive windshields in. Brian, tell us about that. Yes, it's uh, a business that I started that uh, basically that kept me going and and got me to where I am today. But um, I made uh, uh, an investment in being a prototype house for General Motors, and basically it was a hoop jumping company that solved problems for uh, the big five. And one of the products that we made that was a a problem solver was a windshield molding that uh, would not uh, fall apart and uh, discolor. And it, the profile was called the little Petey. <laughs> it's just kind of cute. But uh, it was part of our logo that, that we went forward with. Uh, and uh, it was a lot of fun designing and doing and very successful for me. Brian is being somewhat modest. Uh, it was not a little company by any means. Uh, knowing some of the background on it, uh, the company Creative Extruded uh, was a worldwide company. Yeah, we started in a garage like some companies, and uh, we grew to five plants in the United States uh, with one overseas in Ukraine. And uh, we went from just a couple of us in the garage to a little under 500 employees and 50 million in sales. Uh, of course, that didn't happen overnight. That took a lot of time. Uh, and uh, I was fortunate enough to surround myself with a lot of really successful people and had fabulous employees and good friends like Sam. Todd is chomping at the bit, but before I, I, I turn Todd loose on, on the topic here, you mentioned the, the plant in the Ukraine. Uh, a lot of friends that are still there, associates are still there that you're worried about with what's going on in the world today? Yeah, the, uh, the facilities uh, was uh, put in at request of our customer. Uh, we had to pick between Poland or Ukraine, and I really liked the work ethic of the Ukrainian people. Uh, unfortunately, the, it didn't work out for us to stay there, and uh, we dissolved the company approximately 12, 15 years ago. And as it turned out, it's probably the best thing that happened to me uh, with everything that's going on over there. But most of the people that I know have already left Ukraine. I, there's nobody still there that I know, so I'm very happy about that. Todd? Brian, I'm going to ask you one question. Do you believe in luck? Oh, I have a definition for luck. I'd like to hear it. It's when opportunity uh, meets preparation. That's when you're lucky. You said you started this business in a garage. Would that be your aha moment? And was it you alone that had the idea, or was it a group of people or family members that had the uh, idea? The aha moment occurred when they built the Orion plant in Michigan. They had a no-build condition on December 21st, 
And uh, it would cost General Motors over $2 million a day not to open that, that facilities up on January 2nd. And uh, the problem got resolved uh, through my uh, R&D company at the time, and they literally hired a private jet to fly me back and forth, and I rubbed elbows with vice presidents of General Motors and all kinds of really great, successful people, and that's what really kicked us off. And uh, they awarded the business to me, and uh, that's how I became an OEM automotive supplier. Would you attribute your success due to the inventor in you, the business acumen in you, or both? Well, it's, I would say it's both. I mean, it's the, that definition of being lucky. You know, we were right place, right time, and we had the skills, and we were ready to work. Um, just having the desire and wanting to do something is huge. Um, you know, people today seem to not to be motivated much, and they're just waiting for everything to be given to them. You know, we worked hard for everything that we got, and my people is what made me successful. I think you hit upon something very important, the will to succeed. The will to succeed will move mountains. It will create uh, private jets to come pick you up and take you places, and it will build great companies like yours, Brian. Yes, I agree 100%, Todd. I want to jump in with the will to win. Now, I, I know a little uh, a mouse told me that Brian is – Competitive. Where in the world did I hear that before? Brian is competitive. It reminds me of some of the fishing tournaments we were in, to, yeah. be, to be quite honest. But competitiveness made its way to the racetrack. Tell us what happened when you uh, decided to become a racer. Well, being in the car business, you know, you got to love cars. And uh, I did. And uh, one of the things I enjoyed doing in my part. Uh, part-time what little i had of it was to build uh, my own race cars and my own street rods so i had uh, I'm a tool and die maker by trade so i had the machine shop ability uh, and i had some friends that enjoyed hanging out and uh, doing that kind of thing you know you know kicking back having a couple brewskis and uh, enjoying what they're doing and then nostalgia drag racing entered my life, and that opened up a whole new world. So, what is nostalgia drag racing? Ah, uh, that's where you take an old car and you put a brand new motor in it, and you run it as fast as you can in a quarter mile. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, usually it was a bunch of guys, uh, primarily you know baby boomers in that age group. But there was a lot of younger guys, too, that got into it as well because it was very competitive. It was bracket racing for you drag racers out there, but it was with old cars with fast motors. And you raced all over the country. Yeah, we, we raced a, what's called an eight-and-a-half-second index. You run between about 183, 185 miles an hour in, in, in eight-and-a-half seconds. Uh, raced from Canada all the way down into Georgia. Uh, with with a circuit and it was basically the same guys uh that would travel and uh, there was no really any money in it well the money was in it but it was always one way you know <laughs> out <laughs> out yeah money out so but it was a lot of fun uh and it, it was even fun for us old timers because uh, we all were equally uh, with the bracket so it was very competitive 
What type of cars did you have at the time when you did do this drag racing? I had a 52 Willys. It's my favorite. And there's they only made like 4,000 of these uh, cars. Uh, Willys is known for its Jeep. Uh, this is actually a sedan. It looks a lot like a 5051 Ford, only with a couple little humps in the back uh, on the back fenders. Uh, it's it's an all steel car. It was a, the first motor that had half of the valves up and half the valves down, which is very unique. And it was the first automatic uh, uh, in that it had an overdrive uh, function with it. So uh, it was ahead of its time. It was also the first unibody ever made uh most people don't know that there was something back in the 50s like that that i did not know so you know there's no frame so to make a race car out of it you took all the sheet metal and you built a frame and of course it's all tubular frames and chrome molly um but uh it's a, we ran big block chevys in it and uh i could just go on and on with the stories so but indianapolis was my favorite place to race do you have any current cars in your garage now? That, yeah, I built. What do you got? I, I built nine street rods. Uh, the, I, the last one I built, I just can't part with, and it's a thirty-two uh, Roadster. Um, it's with a Detroit Motor City flathead. It's got the rumble seat. Mm. It's all steel. It's got moon gauges and white, big white walls on it, and it's got an eight-ball shifter. All the typical nostalgia stuff that you would see in a car. Can't wait to see it. Maybe I can't wait to go for a ride in it. Hint, hint, hint. Yeah, yeah. It's fast. <laughs> well, I, I have to share that Todd also has a fast vehicle. Would you like to, to share that? Yeah. I have mine's a little bit on the more modern side. I have a, a Shelby GT350, which is a, a new one and uh, just a fabulous. In fact, one of our first podcasts that we did, Sam, was was on the quietness of cars. And I and I thinking now, I bet some of this um, product that Brian makes or made in his company would add to the quietness with the windshield uh, surrounds and moldings going around the windshields add to the quietness of the car and that would fit right in. Yeah, we also made a lot of other parts other than the windshield moldings. One of them we made was a, a door trim that went around the driver's door. It uh, was designed primarily for smokers uh, so that the smoke would draft out the window but it actually reduced the sound in the car from wind noise. So it, you're right. It, getting them quieter and quieter and quieter. And if I guess if you really want to get real quiet, you can get an electric one. But I like to zoom, zoom. I like to hear them roar. I like to hear, me, I like to hear me, them. Me, me, me too. All right. I'm, I'm going to be a spoiler here a little bit too and say <laughs> sometimes uh, when you go someplace with Brian and there are vehicles around, you find him peering in, looking at things like uh, how the rearview mirror is attached, body side molding, and it's like it's almost like a little mental checklist. He is checking out the vehicle to see how many of his parts or his inventions or his patents are on the damn vehicle. And it's like he could be there for 15 minutes and has not completed that checklist. Yeah, and one of the really fun stories is Ford sent us uh – me and my team down to uh, Florida here 
to do a survey in a parking lot of uh, moldings to see how many of them were deteriorating and how many whatever. And I almost got arrested because we were going from car to car, you know, picking at them. And, yeah. and they said, well, you know, well, what are you doing? You know, and I said, well, we're here from Ford and blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, But anyhow, it was kind of cute and a lot of fun. One of the big changes that I have seen with moldings, and I'm sure Brian is going to be able to add to it and comment, is the way they're adhered to or stuck to the vehicle. I see a lot of the new uh, side moldings using um, that 3M type foam adhesive tape. And, and back in the day, I can remember when I first started working at the gas stations back in the 70s, there was a a a hole that was drilled in the body side and there was an attachment bracket and that's how it was popped into the the side molding anything you can add to that brian well that was one of the first products that i developed it was an aftermarket molding for the body shops that was put on with 3m tape uh they're they're the only they're the only automotive approved source and of course they their research group is unbelievably fantastic um but we also did a, a product, too, that was kind of centered around Florida, and it was uh, to come up with a coating to put on the moldings for love bugs. Um, we all know what love bugs are here in Florida and how they can destroy the paint and everything. But on plastic, they, they actually will pit it to the point yes, where it looks really, really bad. So, But there are coatings and stuff that you can do in types of plastics. When I first got into plastics, there was only a, a small book about five inches thick that had all the different kinds of plastics in it. And I think now you could probably fill a football stadium with all the variations and derivatives of, of plastics. How many patents you have, Brian? 17 patents, but they're probably all expired now that I'm aging out. So. No, that's quite a bit. And you? <laughs> yeah, I published one paper. Uh, it was kind of a bucket list type of thing, you know. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to go to Harvard. I wanted to publish a paper and I wanted to have my own patents and I managed to get all my bucket lists done. Um, but, uh, I presented the paper in Montreal and it was the first time I've ever been out of the United States. And I was really surprised with all the uh, French, uh, I mean, I really felt like an outsider because I, I couldn't speak a word of French. So, but I did it. It's over with. Off the bucket list. Well, I just looked up from my microphone up onto the wall here. Right underneath, it looks like a gigantic deer's head. And I see a Harvard certificate. Is that something you can tell me about, Brian? Yeah, the uh, the Harvard uh, is a... I went through a program. It's very. It's not very well known. It's called OPM. Uh, it's You have to be recommended by either a senator or a congressman or something of that nature to get into the program. It's a very elite... Um, and they, they only take so many students a year. Uh, and the uh, endowment fund from the graduates of the OPM program pays for all of the Harvard graduate school expenses. Uh, that's how successful that program is for their students. Uh, it, was a, it, was, it could be called one of those aha moments. It's one of the things that uh, I did, and uh, it, it was the, the best money I ever spent in my life. And, and for a, a young man or an entrepreneur getting into business, uh, I recommend that highly. Wow. Brian, anything that you would like to add that we haven't touched on today? We've covered a lot of territory, but I somehow feel like we've just barely scratched the surface. Yeah, it's you know, it's there is a lot to talk about. You know, it, today it's a little disappointing that the opportunities are not there for the young people like they used to be. I mean, what I was able to do with my life and become an OEM supplier 
today could never happen unless you have a brand new hula hoop or something that gets you in the door. So, uh, but I think there's opportunities out there for the younger generations if they really have the desire to make it happen. Back to the will to succeed. Ladies and gentlemen, the will to succeed leads us to the will to say, stay tuned, because I believe that the three of us will be back on a future program. Brian, you up for that? Absolutely, Sam. It's been an enjoyment, and thank you, Todd. Thank you so much for having us. And that wraps up another edition of the Great American Senior Show. I'm Sam Yates, your gray-haired host, and until our next episode of the Great American Senior Show... That's the way our program ends.